Hello and welcome to Brits on Flix, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, dissect and deliberate a movie of our choosing. This month it is the unusual, uh, unseen Byzantium. Brian, history with this or the stars, movie makers, anything at all? Um, I, I remember when it came out, um, I was already a fan of Saoirse Ronan at that point. Um, I was a bit hit and miss with Gemma Arterton. I think kind of like I wasn't oversold on Gemma Arterton so far at that point. So I, I kind of, she's kind of got top billing. So I was kind of like, yeah, I, I can afford to wait. Um, although the director, Neil Jordan, has done some interesting stuff. And this was his return to vampires. Uh, and the last time he, you know, he made a vampire film, he got interviewed with a vampire, which for my money is one of the best vampire films um, in recent memory. So I say recent, it's fucking it's like 30 years now, isn't it? Good grief. Yeah, it's getting on. 94, maybe? Yeah, it's getting on 25 years, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes you feel old, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. Okay, but yeah, so Interview with the Vampire is really good, so I liked what he's done, and I was interested by the fact that he was returning mm. to the vampire mythology. Um, and, and like I say, the main draw for me probably being Saoirse Road. Um, mm. but, uh, but yeah, I, I bought it on Blu-ray when, it, when I got it cheap at CEX, and it's been sat on my shelf ever since. And... As is often the case with Brits on flicks, I tend to pull the movies off my shelf that I've not seen because it kind of gives me a kick up my bum to uh, to, to get them watched. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's it really. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm much like you. I I saw the trailer when it came out initially, and I thought hmm, that looks okay, and then promptly forgot everything about it. And uh, I kept seeing it popping up in, in bargain bins and in Poundland and things like that. And, and just I never felt interested or compelled to watch it, and even like taking Neil Jordan, he's one of these directors where you, you look at his filmography and there's not a great deal in movies that I'd say I out and out like adore. Interview with the Vampire is really good. Um, other than that, like the Crying Game is good, but it's not something I go back to. Or Mona Lisa's probably my favourite out of everything that he's done. Yeah. Um, He's someone who's kind of made interesting films, but don't quite. You never quite click. Don't quite grab you in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the last one we did was Company of Wolves, and that was an unusual yeah. little Red Riding Hood, was it? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I, I, interesting I, moments, but probably not one I'm going to be revisiting ever, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I knew Shasha Ronan was in this. I had no idea anybody else was in it. I was like, okay, we're going to watch this. I wasn't overly enthused about watching it, but I, I stuck on and, and watched it. What more can I say? Do you have a synopsis that you have borrowed? I do. I've not borrowed this one. This is, this is my own work. Oh, so, oh well, we'll apologise in advance then. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> Eleanor and Clara are mother and daughter, but they pose as sisters. They are also 200 years old. That's because they are vampires. On the run from the brotherhood of vampires who want them dead, they are forced to live a life of secrecy. But Eleanor, the daughter, 
grows weary of living a lie and longs to tell her story. The two women appear to land on their feet thanks to the kindness of Noel, who lets them take over his recently deceased mother's seaside guest house. But with the Brotherhood closing in and Eleanor falling for a troubled young man named Frank, the darkness that these two ladies have hidden for so long will not be able to be contained within the walls of the Byzantium. Very good. Um, <laughs> I suppose just opening thoughts on the movie. Like I, I, I very early on was really interested in what was happening here because you had um, these opposing sort of opinions of these sisters, mother, daughter, whatever. You've got Gemma Arterton who's um, down and dirty, almost using her her womanly ways to try and get ends to meet. Um, you, you've got Shasha Rona's character, who's quite bookish and thoughtful uh, and elegant about the way she goes about her business, the complete antithesis of her mother. You know, you see early on her, her courting uh, a willing victim. Um, and, and, and instantaneously, I was like, right, I, I kind of get an idea of what these two people are. And, and I was in, I liked the characters immediately. Um, what did you think of them? Yeah, uh, I, I, I was... I was in, I'll say. Is it like the, the characters from the right off the bat kind of grabbed me and fairly early on I realised that th this was going to be something a bit different for Gemma Arterton as well. Um, mm. I, I think this is probably the, the, the best performance I've seen from her to be honest. Um, I know she she did one with uh, Eddie Marsan. I can't remember uh, Alice Creed. Is the it disappearance, disappearance of, Alice, of Creed. Alice Creed? And that got a lot of rave reviews, but I, mm. I never bothered with it again because I wasn't quite sold on the way a lot of people were. After seeing this, I would say, all right, she's she's piqued my interest. Uh, I'm I'm willing to, yeah, to see what else she's capable of. But yeah, I I liked her in this. I think as you say, the most likable character between the two is clearly Ronan's character. Mm. But uh, the mother, Arterton, is clearly a, a survivor. That's, oh, yeah. she, that's what she's done. She's a survivor. And I think the only reason that Ronan's character is alive is because of her mother. So as much as Ronan doesn't like what her mom does, uh, mm. how she's got them there, how she's led them, I think the only reason she's still alive is because of her mother. So th there is this kind of tension that exists between the two of them, but also an acknowledgement that actually they do kind of need each other in a way. Yeah. But that's kind of alluding to the fact that she's survived because of her mother, but she's been also put in this position <laughs> because of her mother at the same time. And this was an aspect of the story that I really didn't expect it. This back in time to becoming a vampire this thinly veiled idea of this um, cult or group of men who are moving through time, like uh, manipulating things or being involved with certain things. Uh, the actors that appear, I didn't realise was going to be in it, Sam Riley and uh, Johnny Lee Miller, was, was a bit of a surprise. Um, and even that, I kind of liked that idea, how it kind of kept jumping back and forth. And there was some really, really nice directorial touches um, where it would, it would delve into that. Like there's one moment that I really liked where Rona's character is just looking out on the beach and she starts to see 
mm. herself in the yeah. past and then it takes over the story from there and I just I, mm-hmm. I love the, the kind of direction it took I felt that it, it, it felt it felt really much like part of the one story and it just evolved into it as if she was remembering rather than just cutting to and forth all the time. One of the interesting things about that as well is that she kind of recognises that they've been there before. Hmm. And when she mentions it to her mother, the mother kind of, she kind of fobs it off. And I don't know if she's trying to just prevent her from remembering or whether she genuinely just doesn't remember being there before. Um, and And it kind of, it's a little insight into the way that these two women view history. And I think that the daughter very much lives in the past as well as the present. Whereas the, the mother, again, being a survivor, she's all about the now, the present and the past, the past is behind her. She's quite willing to forget it and probably has done. Um, so I, I, I thought that was a, a nice little insight as well. I kind of liked it, the idea of these two people growing apart uh, and, and not really realising it. You, you get it through uh, the rash actions that Arterton's character takes, but also throughout the, the story. That, is it Eleanor, the uh, woman's character? Yeah. I forget, yeah. That, yeah. that she writes um, down. She, you know, she's not hiding this anymore. She's putting it into paper. She's making it real, telling her tale as if she's wanting to open up, as if she's wanting to share her life with somebody, which is in this movie is the form of Frank, I think Caleb Landry Jones. Is that, that yeah, I quite, I love I, I quite like him. Yeah, yeah, I really like him. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a certain oddness and, and strangeness to the guy that's very fitting to the role that he's playing here because he's somebody that's had um, various, uh, he's had health complications and he's still struggling with that. And he has the kind of hint of death, death hanging over him almost. It seems that that's how they've made the connection, Eleanor and Frank. Um, but what did you think of the relationship between these two? Yeah, I, I really liked it. Mm. Um, just the idea as well of having him with the uh, the, the blood thinners. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like my, my mum's recently been on blood thinners. So uh, it, it was it was yeah. When he when he gets caught and then oh, just starts yeah. gushing, <laughs> and you're just like that's a bit excessive in it. <laughs> It barely did out to you, but but then like you very quickly realise this this dude's clearly on blood thinners. Cause, yeah. But like even before they mention it, um, but yeah, I was, I was like that's that could have very much easily been my mum. But um, no, it, it just it makes you sympathise with him. But I, I do like the bond between the two that kind of grows, mm. and the fact that she really has to try and control herself in that moment. Um, but no, I I like the, the guy, I like the actor as well. I, I've loved the work that he's done with the McDonough brothers uh three billboards and the film we uh reviewed on my channel war, war on everyone he was in that as well yeah. uh but um yeah it was very different characters but but all kind of have a touch of the weirdness about him he's just clearly got one of them faces but um yeah one of my favorite like uk actors as well daniel mays um, mm, plays yeah. the owner of the hotel yeah. he's just like the perfect sad sack yeah (laughs) just somebody that's just longing for a little bit of companionship and gets completely taken for a ride and he he even develops a a, a kinship with the the girls here you know he doesn't just see them he sees them as a kind of family and it's ultimately shows you that these people's nature how they ultimately destroy or artisan does 
everything that they come in contact with. But but that character it's a thankful, a thankful, it's a thankless role that he has to play. Um, it's just yeah. I mean, to an extent, I mean, like this, the whole film plays as as a feminist kind of statement, anyway, doesn't it? Is yeah. it's if, if there's if there's a if there's a criticism I'd make, I would say that it does wear that pretty heavy-handedly um, at times. You know, the, the, it, it is this. You know, like when you think about the Brotherhood, this kind of yeah, all-male vampire kind of coven thing, and and then yeah, when they're cast out because they're women, and 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 the, the way they fight back at the end, there's some dialogue and stuff in there that, that to me feels a little bit heavy-handed. I mm-hmm. but I get what going with there um but i i do think yeah the, the character that Maze plays is he's a carer you know mm-hmm. he he cared for his mother before she died and i think when these two women come along that kind of need help he, he, he sees them as needing rescuing he just goes straight back into carer mode so it's it, it's it's very much a part of his character it's within his dna to, to rescue these women but um obviously doesn't quite know what he's getting into um no not at all i quite, I quite and, feel sorry for the guy actually when when he cups it um yeah i mean he's trying to help things out it just it's unfortunate it really is an accident type of thing what about sam Riley's character darvel you know this is the guy at the start who seems a fairly educated man he's uh, fighting against death really it's, it's catching up on him he's looking for a way out he takes the chance that he has but he, he seems to still, throughout the movie, although you don't really see it till the end, he really keeps a hold of his humanity a little bit yeah, with his, his pardoning of the girls. Um, now, when he eventually comes back and he goes to give Johnny Lee Mother the, the offer, he does it within her presence, knowing that she's ill. Do, do, you, think, do you think that was meant to to kind of give her the idea to go there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure I considered because, it, to be honest, when I was watching it, but... Um, because Johnny Lee Mother, yeah. his, his, his character is, is a horrible character who was horrible to Darwin. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's he left, him, yeah, left him for dead, stole his property and his valuables and, and just left his body laying there, um, not realising what was happening. But he's already met... Arterton's character early on um, he knows that she's ill and he makes a pretense of giving it to his friend who abandoned him but it could be for her just seeing if she's got the survival instinct mm, yeah maybe I mean it could have been his plan all along I guess because he walks away with her at the end so uh, uh, yeah I don't know I hadn't considered it really but uh Certainly, I just always felt that he was just someone who uh, maybe didn't really want this life, didn't ask for this life, uh, kind of was a nice guy anyway, and just carried mm. that over with him. It is interesting but he's, that... He's looking at eternity now mm. um, uh, and who he's going to spend that time with. Does yeah. he want to spend it with somebody who was the complete opposite of him? You know, with Johnny Lee Miller's character, who wanted to party the riches, he was educated and, and wanted uh, a little bit more than just at the on the surface stuff. You know, and and he ultimately is looking for a partner, someone to share his life with, and that's who he gets yeah. with Arthurton. Yeah, yeah. 
definitely. That's an idea. Derailed it with another one of wacky theories I had. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a wacky, wacky theory. I think so, sometimes, I mean, looking at it now, it seems reasonably obvious, but like hmm. it's one of those times where watching it for whatever reason, I didn't, I didn't zone in on that particular aspect, maybe because I was looking at other stuff. But uh, <laughs> I, I, sir, I love the mythology behind yes. it that they make here with the where you know when they have to go to the island and then mm-hmm. all that blood comes down which i was wondering if it was cgi at first but then i watched the uh the featurette on the blu-ray mm-hmm. and it was at it was it was real it was dye so they wow. so, so they used tons of red dye for for the waterfall um so it wasn't cgi um, that is a stunning image mm-hmm. stunning yeah. But I, I just, I, I, I just like, I like that idea that you kind of come face to face with yourself. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's like the darkest, mm-hmm. darkest part of yourself in a way. Um, so it's, it's not quite clear, you know, what, what the source of this thing is. Is it a mm-hmm. demon? Is it uh, an, uh, the oldest vampire that comes in many forms, or is it simply just is vampirism in this? case literally just looking into a mirror at the darkest version of yourself uh, yeah. um, and accepting it I guess uh, on some kind of spiritual level uh, mm. so yeah it, it was interesting anyway yeah it was great and, and like you said it really builds this wonderful mythology without actually telling you anything at mm. all you just know yeah. there's a clandestine group of vampire men and that is it. But they seem to be all powerful. You know, yeah. They're always in the crime scenes first looking about. They seem to be uh, constantly taking over any kind of uh, law power they want. They just seem to step into place. It's just it's a wonderful idea without actually telling us anything. And you don't want the details. You just want to know that there's something uh, weird about this group that they can do what they want. I kind of like that as well. I think one of my favourite scenes, probably my favourite scene in the film, is when uh, Ronan's character, Eleanor, mm. she she goes to see the woman who is the, the friend of her teacher, um, and she's she's having this conversation, and then she starts talking about. Basically, she's she's in making. She's alluding to the fact that these people that she's killed are people that she's she's met in the past, and this this woman who is now in front of her is one day going to be one of these people. Um, that when she when she eventually catches up with her many years from now and comes to her bedside, it's going to be a case of acceptance uh, for what's about to happen rather than you know just kind of taking the la- so, so you get the feeling that she, she's she's setting up all these dominoes constantly mm-hmm. for for people later on in life um kind of makes you wonder how many she's got on the go at any one time but um but but it's it, yeah it was It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it was hundred um, percent. Have you got much more to say about Byzantium, Brian? Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, just 
again, I, I think it does play like a very much a feminist kind of statement. I think when you when you look at the history of vampire films, uh, you know, Dracula is is the, the the male dominant vampire presence, and you often have women in there that are turned into vampires for the sake of his objectification. You know, they become slaves to him. And I think this film kind of works as a, an antithesis to that in the sense that these are two very independent women who go their own way in a male dominated world. Given the fact as well that, you know, the, the time in which they were turned was even more male dominated. So yeah. it makes sense. You know, it, it makes sense that that would have lasted through the ages. And you know, it, it doesn't feel, I hate to use the term, but like you know, today, it's it's woke culture this and woke culture that, and I, I, I don't really put it into that bag. I don't feel like it's that kind of movie. I just feel like it is a feminist tale um, that that yeah is using history and time uh, as as a as a jumping point to be able to to tell that story because uh, like if, if these weren't vampires if they hadn't come from that time it, it may not be you know if it was just a, a story about a cult whatever that existed in the the, the, the world today that you, you just kind of think well so what go out mm -hmm. into the real world and and leave the cult behind because that's just not the world now but um but yeah because that's the world they come from uh, it makes sense and it, it allows them to tell this like i said this, this feminist story of two women kind of outsmarting the the uh the male chauvinism that is kind of coming at them rearing rearing the head down on them um although it goes to it goes without saying they 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 do survive because of a man. So again, it's you know I'm sure that I'm sure the the true feminists out there would be all uh, you know rendered asunder because because they were saved by a man. But I I think ultimately what that says is that they need each other. And, mm -hmm. You know I think any great feminist movie should really be about the equality of the sexes and, and the fact that we do need each other, not one being superior over the other. So I, I think, yeah, the fact that these two have to come together at the end to fight hundreds of years of tyranny is, is fitting, I think, yeah. for what the film is about. Yeah. Yep, I think you've summarised it perfectly there. Um, shall we go into ratings and, and a little finishing point about what we think of the movie? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'll go first too, Brian. I, I was really... Uh, enraptured by Byzantium. It caught me off guard. I, I wasn't expecting much. I threw it on first thing in the morning. Everybody was in their beds. So I thought, I'll, I'll check it out now. And I was just like, I hope nobody wakes up. This is this is fantastic. I am I am all in on this. This seems to be like a little hidden movie that nobody really talks about. And I think that is a travesty because this is, is wonderful, wonderfully acted, a great tale. It has some good blood and guts if you're into that kind of thing or a wonderful deca decapitation right at the start of the movie um, it's just a, a fantastic tale I've really enjoyed it, I'm struggling on a score for this one because um, I think a second watch may help level it out but just now I'm going to go for a 4 out of 5 Yeah, same, really, same I, I give it a 4 out of 5 uh, it's, it's certainly one of the most interesting vampire films I've seen in a while mm -hmm. 
Um, I think certainly Neil Jordan has found his wheelhouse. You know, <laughs> if, 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 if he's going to make another vampire film, I'm there. Uh, yeah, clearly he does his best work when he's in that realm because this is a really good film. It's just very character driven, I think. Um, plot wise, you know, story wise, there's not a right lot there. It is essentially just about these two women trying to figure their crap out. Um, but from a character perspective, everyone, including the minor characters, I feel like I know them. I feel like mm -hmm. I know who these people are. And, uh, yeah, like you say, Maze, you know, I, his character, I feel like I know the guy. I'm sorry for him when he dies. Um, I just, yeah, I just think he's a really well-written, well-played character piece. Um, and... I think I'll get more out of it on a second watch. Um, Definitely. I, normally, when we when we re review stuff on here, it, it, it's often the film that I've seen multiple times, and I give myself a refresher and whatever. But yeah, with this one, it's first time watch, and I think yeah, multiple viewings will probably reward it. I think. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on to the top five of this episode. Uh, do you want to let everybody know what that is, Brian? Yeah, um, the top five of this episode is the top five Saoirse Ronan films. Now, how many Saoirse Ronan films have you seen, Graham? Are we including Byzantium? Yeah. Five. <laughs> <laughs> so narrowing this down to my top five is rather easy this time around, Brian. Yeah, okay. just w which order, and even now, I'm not happy with that order. All right. Okay. Well, I, I will say I'm a huge fan of Saoirse Ronan. Have been ever since I saw her in Atonement. Uh, I thought many of the scenes in that film she stole from from under much older, more seasoned actors, and she was definitely someone who, who was then on my radar. Um, uh, yeah, I've loved every performance that I've seen her give since, even if the film might not necess necessarily be my cup of tea. But um, yeah, uh, do you want to go first or do you want to? Sure. Um, of course, like I said, I've seen five movies. Um, so I had to include things that normally may not make the list. Uh, number five for me is The Lovely Bones, which I saw when it came out in the cinema. Um, and I don't really remember too much about it all, other than her uh, performance which was rather good and Stanley Tucci's of course but we're talking about Shasha Ronan um, this, this was a bit of an oddball of a movie never quite fully landed for me um, but I did walk away from it thinking that, that, that the girl at the time who hadn't seen anything else was going to be uh, something special she's got the right roles I think she adds a lot of panache and kind of sadness and, and almost um melancholy to the fact that the life she could have had within the role um, and I think that was a pretty key element of it, not so much that the what happened to her or, or solving it but the things that could have been um, but yeah, yeah, number five is The Lovely Bones Yeah, I, I, I saw The Lovely Bones when it came out of the cinema and it did quite hit me as emotionally as I thought it might mm. um, but I thought it was a beautifully painted film beautifully acted and whatnot. And when I saw it, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I saw it years later uh, when I was married and I'd had my first child. 
and it really hit me um, in a way that it just didn't that first time around when I saw it. And I, I, I was just, Mark Wahlberg's character really struck a chord with me. And I don't know if it's just the mood I was in or whatever, but uh, for some reason, yeah, it got, it got me emotional. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, I had, I had a young daughter myself by that point, and it was just, yeah. So I've, I've only seen it twice. Those have been the reactions. It'd be interesting to watch it a third time mm. and see, uh, see which reaction it gets. But um, certainly it, it is a film I, I do like. Um, but... Uh, my number five is Byzantium, which we have, of course, talked about on this podcast. Really good vampire film. Not much more to say. My number four is Byzantium. Uh, we've just talked about this podcast, so I don't really have much more to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so my number four is Ladybird. Um, it's 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 a really solid drama. I I, I think may, maybe maybe got a little bit more praise than deserved i think like it's it's it i think did it pick up a best best picture nomination pretty sure it picked up a best picture nomination mm-hmm. um i don't think it deserved a best picture nomination myself i do think it deserved the best all the acting gongs that it got um certainly i think the performances in it are really incredible i i, I think that the uh the direction and the screenplay by Greta Gerwig is really good really solid stuff um, I think the characters sometimes are a little bit too quirky. It's like one of them films where it's kind of like it's it's within its own world, almost like a Wes Anderson film in a way. I'm not saying the, I'm not saying it is the same style as a Wes Anderson film. I, I just mean that I don't really buy that this is a real world setting, but rather a kind of looking at the real world through a through a skewed glass window, I guess, is, is the best way to describe it. But um, certainly I think the characters are well written. I think that in the hands of a lesser actor, the role that Saoirse Ronan plays in the film could come off as really, really unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because of that very well-measured performance and the direction by Gerwig, I think it, yeah, it gets to the heart of who this this woman is. And yes, she's flawed. And yes, there are times when we think, hmm, spoiled maybe. Um, but ultimately, we end up liking her, I think. And we end up rooting for her, particularly with her relationship uh, that, that, that she has with her mother. Um, so yeah, good film, solid stuff. Yeah. Um, I've just tried to say I'm a number three here, Brian. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to put the Grand Budapest Hotel number three. Uh, the reason it's it's there is I love the movie. I, th- I think it's fantastic, but it's a small part. It's a small cog in this uh, machine here, and I think there are a lot of other performances that outshine hers within the movie. Hers is kind of essential uh, towards the bellboy, uh, her bakery, the idea of, of that. It's a again, it's a movie. I feel like I'm getting lost between her performance in it and everything else I like about the movie, you know, but I think it's, it's the fact that she's such a solid role. She's a good love interest. She's a nice quirky uh, part to, to, to this person who's been 
you know, injured, who's got a facial mark, is a little bit shunned by society, is taken in by this bellboy who's just wanted to be taken in himself and create a nice little connection. And I really want to eat those confectionaries. So I'm just going to put that in my number three. Yeah, I, I, I like Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I've only seen it once. Um, I thought she was very good in it, but I think like most Wes Anderson films, he, he fills his movies with characters. Um, and yeah, you do get a main character in them, but they're, they're littered with so many quirky characters. I mean, look at the poster. The po- mm. poster for Grand Budapest Hotel is just a sea of famous faces. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the, the the film itself as a whole is the strength, and I don't think it hinges necessarily no. on one any one particular actor. I just think it's a lot of really great actors on their A game, bringing the best to a lot of small roles um, and making the overall the overall piece mm-hmm. uh, be what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, my number three is the other collaboration she did with Greta Gerwig, which is Little Women. Um, the only adaptation of this story I've seen, I know there have been many. Um, I think most of what I knew about Little Women before I saw it was the episode of Friends where Joey kind of reads reads the <laughs> story and trades it for The Shining with Rachel. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much went to see this because of one, the Oscar buzz, but two, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, by this point, you know, I'm a fan. So, incredible performances all round from everyone, really. Um, it's it's a very good story. It is a film that traditionally probably appeals more to women. Um, I don't mean that in a sexist way, but let's face it, that's just the truth. Um, but if if you do like a good a good period drama, this is one. Uh, I, I think it's it's a very good film uh, in which there's a you know it revolves around a whole family and all these people feel like real people and the relationship between them all feels genuine to me feels well observed and yeah well played by all. So. Yeah, uh, my number two. <sighs> is Lady Bird. Um, It's one of these weird movies because I can't pick a fault with it at all. Like, I really can't. Looking at the movie, it's concise, it's small, it tackles this person uh, in an emotional point, a a turning point of her life. Everybody's perfect. I can't can't pick fault with the movie, yet I don't think it deserved all the praise that it got, but I think it's a really solid movie. And the thing that really sells me in the performance here is all the way through it, it's great. It's a great performance. But there's a moment at the end where she gets everything she wanted. She gets out of this small town. She gets to go to this uh, bustling place where she can uh, really dip her toe in all these different kind of things that really interest her that she couldn't do at home. And there's this sudden realisation that she misses everything that she wanted to get away from. And it's that moment in the movie that really kind of went that that's... That's the perfect turning point. And it's, it's not hung on. It's a, a done through a, a quick phone call. You just see as she looks about the, the, the city that she's in, everything that she wanted, and she suddenly just realises. And it's that the acting that really just sells that more than anything else. And that's why it's as high up on my list. Number two, I've already mentioned it, Atonement. Uh, so this was, the, I think, the first 
film that she'd done. Um, it, it was a debut. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, but yeah, certainly the first, first thing I saw her in, um, I went to see it because it was getting a lot of buzz, um, you know, really great reviews and stuff. And I was a projectionist at the time, and one of the, the project, one of the projectionists that I worked with, Mike, he he'd seen it before me, and he, he was raving about it. I was like, oh, all right, okay, I'll, I'll check it out then. Um, and I just thought it was it was one. It was a brilliant film, and I don't think Joe Wright has done anything as good since. Uh, he's he's one of those directors who makes competent, really solid dramas, uh, films that I'm, I'm happy to, to watch and, and tend to be quite good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they've all been fairly disappointing since Atonement, just because the level of control that he seems to exhibit on this film as a director, um, I, I don't know, it just, it just feels like he should have delivered films a, a, a bit more great than what he has done um but certainly Saoirse Ronan as I say as a child actor in this is just incredible it's like wow blimey where did they get her from like the, she has to do some pretty uh raw kind of emotional stuff in this that, that, that's just yeah it, it it's it's just it's 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 a lot more mature a performance, I think, hmm. than what you would get from from many many another actor in this role. A lot is asked of her, a lot is required from her. Um, you know, you're dealing with scenes in which she's she's destroyed someone's life, basically, she's destroyed two people's lives through the lies that she's told as a child, and you know, there's a lot on her shoulders as a character, and and. I think she really carries that. She really nails it. So yeah, really great performance. Um, looking at this list, it was hard to look, uh, sort performances from movies that I just utterly love. Uh, and the movie I've chosen is my number one. Was I think it was my number one of the year it came out as well. And it, it was Hannah, which I utterly, utterly adore. Speaking of Joe right. Wright, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I love this movie and it, at its heart it's a kind of pulpy uh, genre movie. You know, a girl's been raised by her father to, to be like an assassin of sorts and she has to go in the run. And it's also a kind of uh, coming of age type of tale. You know, she, this is a, a young woman who goes out on her own and she's discovering uh, life while happening to be hunted by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> but... I, I, I like the, the performance. I like the, the way that she shows that she can be an action star as well. But you know, there's still a good bit of drama within this. Um, ultimately knowing as well that most of the way through the movie, her, her connecting with people is ultimately going to end with them dying, like she does with the family she tackles up with. is a huge burden for her to, to bear, and you see that taking toll on her throughout the movie, uh, ultimately getting to the, the sort of typical action climax that you get. Uh, speaking about the movie in general, I love the action in this. I love the under the ground fight scene. It's all one take. Yeah. Uh, I love the various scenes that it crosses. Um, I think it's just a, a wonderful movie. Turned into a TV show that I haven't actually seen as yet. But um, yeah, I love Hannah. 
Yeah, I, I, I remember when the trailer for it came out and I, I really wanted to see it. It was on it was on my uh kind of top twenty must see movies of that year and I was I was very underwhelmed by it to be honest. Um I I felt like plotting wise, story wise, it was a bit aimless in, in places. Um I do think there's there's moments where Wright shows shows that he's a director you know like the the 10 minute fights you know the the the, the one take mm-hmm. shot which obviously does in atonement i don't know if, well you've not seen atonement because it's not on your list but obviously there's there's like a 10 minute shot in there on 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 the beaches um i think is it dunkirk it might be the beaches of dunkirk uh, maybe not but either way it's on Sons of beaches that are just heavily heavily laden with soldiers and it's all done in one take and it just takes you through yeah it basically is a dry run for 1917 uh, <laughs> and it's just yeah it's a ballsy piece of direction but that whole film is really great um but hannah yeah i was a bit underwhelmed i did prefer it on my second watch i think it went up to like a three and a half star film for me but it's still not yeah didn't quite live up to the trailers for me but there you go my number one is brooklyn um it's uh, again a film that traditionally i think would be kind of geared towards women i think it's the kind of film that you know they market towards women it's a romance kind of film um but i was a fan of ronan i went to see it it was getting good reviews I was expecting it to be a good, solid film. I was hoping it was going to be just a good, solid film. If it, if it was, I'd be happy with it. But I was gripped from start to finish. Um, and and we're, li- we're literally with this this woman every step of the way. Like, Ronan is practically on screen for most of the running time. It, it really is her film. Um, and it's just about her going to America. She, you know, she comes from Ireland. She goes to America. She has to work. Uh, she falls in love with someone there, but because of circumstances, she ends up having to go back to Ireland, and then she meets someone there and, and falls in love again. It's like who she, who does she choose? You know, it sounds like the it sounds like leap year. You know, it it is basically the 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 period drama version of leap year, um, which is not going to sell it to anyone. You know, and as much as Amy Adams is my favourite actress. Leap Year is a film I will never watch again. I can tell you that much. Um, but no, it is. It's a fantastic film because it's 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 all about the character. It's it's brilliantly written, brilliantly played. Uh, I love the character. I love that we get sucked in, and I love that she makes right choices at, at the times when she needs to make them. Um, yeah, I won't say any more than that. But uh, it's 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 just it is. It's a gripping film. If you like character-driven movies where you just want to get pulled into to the, the, the people you're following on screen, Brooklyn is is definitely one to watch. Okay, that's good. Nine choices there. Our various uh, Ronin movies. Let's move on to our next episode where I am going to read out five synopsis. Brian is going to discard them one at a time. Whatever we are left with will be the episode for next time. So are you ready, Brian? Yes. Number one, 
A man finds himself struggling with his sanity and his identity. Displaced in the world, he struggles to find the information that would either confirm or destroy his delusion. Number two. That's, that sounds like Joker to me. <laughs> no. Uh, no. No, it's not. Uh, all of these movies have a science fiction slant to them. I'll tell you that. Number two. Sam dreams of a life where he can flee away from technology and overpowering bureaucracy and spend eternity with the women of his dreams while also trying to rectify the wrongful arrest of one Harry Buttle. Number three. A man finds himself caught in the middle of an eons old war when the saviour of humanity falls into his lap. Number four, a modern day scientist is struggling with mortality, desperately trying to, uh, desperately searching for the medical breakthrough that will save the life of his cancer stricken wife. That sounds like the fountain. And number five, a man and woman are drawn together, entangled in the life cycle of an ageless organism. Identity becomes an illusion as they struggle to assemble the loose fragments of wrecked lives. There's two here I haven't seen. And there's one that I really quite fancy, Brian. Have you seen The Fountain? Have I? Yes. I love The Fountain. <laughs> That's a great film. Um, was that number four that I thought was The Fountain? What, what was the synopsis number four? A, a modern day scientist is struggling with mortality, desperately searching for the medical breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's the fountain. Get rid of that one. That is the fountain, and I right. love the yeah. fountain. I, I love the fountain, uh, but I, I figure because we've both seen it, um, maybe maybe move on. Um, oh, man. One of, the, one of them's... You, you've definitely seen two of these. The same two that I've seen, I think. I think There's one you've that, definitely not seen. It was either number three or number two that sounded like some kind of generic straight to DVD thing. What, go on, read, read two and three out to me again. Uh, Sam dreams of a life where he can flee away from technology and overpowering bureaucracy and spend eternity with the women of his dreams while trying to rectify the wrongful arrest of one Harry Buttle. Uh, number three was a man finds himself caught in the middle of an eons old war when the savior of humanity falls into his lap. That does sound like it'd be right on my street, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that one about Harry Buttle, that are you using the actual names from the film there? I know, I know that. I know that. I'm sure. Harry Buttle. Why is that? That's like... I, um, I, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't comment. <gasps> it's not one I can really change the synopsis because... Right. I, I don't know what I'm changing. Get rid of two and three. Oh, two and three. Oh, yeah. you have got rid of number two is Teddy Gilliam's Brazil. 
which I haven't seen, and you've got rid of it. But let's see if you can guess three. I'll, I'll give you the synopsis once more, and I'll change a word. Okay? A man finds himself caught in the middle of an eons-old war when the saviour of humanity falls into his taxi. Oh, fifth element. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go through these again. Okay, number one was a man finds himself struggling with his sanity and his identity. Displaced in the world, he struggles to find the information that will either confirm or destroy his delusion. And number five, a man and woman are drawn together, entangled in the life cycle of an ageless organism. Identity becomes an illusion as they struggle to assemble the loose fragments of wrecked lives. See, number five sounds like it could be some kind of pretentious David Lynchian type film, which sends a shiver down my spine. Um, or it could just be some schlocky 80s kind of... <laughs> number, number five is, is from the 2000s and it's a well-regarded movie uh, but it's not one that's well known number one is a movie from the 90s with some big A-list actors read number one again it's one more time a man finds himself struggling with his sanity and his identity displaced in the world he struggles to find <laughs> the information that will either confirm or destroy his delusion Conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh uh, no! Oh, it's not twelve monkeys. You need to decide whether you're taking. Get rid of five. Get, get rid of five. Get rid of five. Okay. You have got rid of Shane Carruth's Upstream Color. Right. Not heard of that one. It's the guy that did Primer. Ah, uh, still not seen Primer. <laughs> right, and you've chosen twelve monkeys. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I've been after watching that again for a while. I've, I've bought yeah. it on Blu-ray. So. Same here. I'm looking forward to checking that out. And we will go for favourite, top five favourite Bruce Willis movies. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. I was tempted okay. with Brad Pitt, but we'll go with Willis. He's the lead. Maybe. Yeah. I think they, they, oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do a badly store. Tend to get stowed. Yeah, yeah. I was quite quite the fan of Madeline Stowe back in the day. <laughs> if you can tell me who wasn't, I'd be interested to know, Brian. <laughs> um, I've not seen this one in ages. Mm, same. So I picked up the the recent uh, Arrow disc. So. Oh. I didn't realise Arrow had released it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It came out last year, early last year. Ah, right. I think. Yeah. So. Does it? Did they release it in one of the nice box boxes? Or no, was it just just a, just a standard one. Yeah. Oh, right. I've got it here. It's always here. It's okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep. I'll keep it out because I'm going to watch it. Okay, nice one. 
So there we have it. Next time we're going to get some sci-fi time-travelling nonsense with the uh, Brad Pitt, Madeline Stowe, Bruce Willis, Terry Gilliam movie. I am interested in this one. As always, thanks for listening. We appreciate it and we will see you next time on Brits on Flicks. And wait for